come with me and you'll see in a world <laughs> your imagination <laughs> live from cool boys Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just the young boy. <gasps> so cool. So cool. So cool. Oh, some cool boys. Greetings, cool boy nation. And welcome to a special installment of the Cool Boys podcast. I'm Felk. I'm Ballard. I'm Corey. <laughs> Welcome back, Corey. You know what? So, Corey, essentially what happened with the last episode is we released it, and it was such a huge hit <laughs> that people wanted more Corey right away. So, welcome back, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> this episode, we will be discussing Ready Player One and all the fabulous boners it has given us. Except for me, because I haven't seen it, but I'm here anyways, just to clarify. So we will forgo our cool boy updates, which we haven't done in like nine episodes, and get right into Ready Player One and all the fabulous boners it has given us. So cool boy warning, spoilers from here on out for Ready Player One. So if you haven't seen Ready Player One yet, I don't give a shit, because I haven't seen it either, just to clarify. So if you haven't seen it yet... Don't be a pussy. Ow! Sweet pussy. Ow! I want to fucking kick your fucking ass. You know, shut up for a second, all right? It's time for a spoilers. Sizzle. Sizzle. So cool. Yeah, so Corey and I have seen... Uh, Ready Player One, and so we'll be essentially having a real quick conversation about it. Just a little, just a little jazz session, a little tete-a-tete -tete about Ready Player One. So this yeah. is Spielberg's uh, 200th film. <laughs> I thought being his 200th film, it was really important <laughs> that he knock it out of the park, <laughs> and I think he failed. That can't be correct. <laughs> I was born in 2025. But I wish I'd grown up in the 1980s, like all my heroes. I live here in Columbus, Ohio. In 2045, it's still ranked the fastest growing city on Earth. But it sure doesn't seem like it when you live in the stacks. So what is it? It's 2047 or something in this movie? Yeah, and something like it's that. The world's like overpopulated, so there's not a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. people just spend their lives in a virtual reality called the Oasis. Sounds great. It stars Tyler Sheridan. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. And 
the creator of the Oasis dies. Sounds great. But leaves some <laughs> early on. That's not a spoiler. We're in spoilers, though, so you can yeah. spoil this if you want. But leaves behind some Easter eggs, and whoever finds them inherits half a trillion dollars. Yeah, and yes. the and control. A contest. Three impossible challenges. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis, which means complete control of the future. And this is Spielberg's 200th film, as <laughs> Ballard said. <laughs> okay, Ballard, I know you have some things to say about this movie. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. All right, and that's it. I didn't hate it. It's just not very good. For me, I guess it was kind of weird that when you die in the Oasis, you don't die in real life, so the stakes were never really that high. Now, there are villains in the movie, and they do cause some real-world harm, I guess. Yeah, which is kind of stupid, right, the way it happens in the movie. One, uh, wait, before we go two, any further, let's let's establish the stakes three. here for ourselves first, Corey. Corey, what is your cool boy rating? I'll give mine first. My cool boy rating is two out of five cool boys. Uh, you do five. I'm used to four. I'm a I'm a I'm a Roger Ebert guy. Oh, I well if you if you have to just establish that it's four at least. So you got to say like two out of four cool boys. Well, if I was doing four, I'd do uh, I'd do three out a solid three out of four. What would you be your five out of five? Oh, your your uh, your your boys out of five, Corey. What would it be? You have I, I I've had to bend to it. So just 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 do your best and adapt to the five star. Rating. It oh, for Ready at, Player One. It starts um, at zero stars. Or sorry, boys. It starts at zero boys. Boys, boys. And it go and has half a boy, one boy, up to five. It's just it, it's just an additional three points on on. on I give it three and a half boys. Beaver scale. Three and a half boys out of five boys. Yeah, that's a good rating. I liked it. Wow. I thought it was okay. It wasn't. I mean, it's not Minority Report. It's not AI. Cool boy update. Fabulous updates. Fabulous. With an even harder dick. So cool. Starting with Sugarland Express. This is his 31st movie. Close enough. Close enough, I guess. (laughs) I just counted all of them on IMDb because IMDb doesn't give you numbers. Well, Kotaku and Jezebel and io9 have all written separate articles about how either the book or the movie are are misogynistic (laughs) the book was maybe i just don't read enough but i felt like the book was all exposition so i didn't really kind of just establishing oh here are the rules of the oasis and it was just a lot of that so i actually wasn't a i didn't love the book I didn't read the book, so I don't know anything about the book. I wanted to go into this thinking of it as a Steven Spielberg film, the way I went in Jurassic Park, even though eventually I did read the book Jurassic Park. Um, I I thought it was um, I thought it was Spielberg doing Zack Snyder, like honestly, and like and I don't mean that as a compliment. Like I I like like it, it, it was a lot of a lot of. Really intense uh, CGI clouds, really high contrast CGI, so that you you have like you know a lot of uh, covering and cheats. Really good CGI at times, but covering and cheats with the with the you know the high contrast whites popping and the crushed blacks and the shadows. Um, 
I thought that was uh, a really great way to be able to do the battles, but it just made it all feel like just like really weird and weirdly lit and felt like a Zack Snyder film and the action and the set design all felt like I was watching a Zack Snyder film more so than honestly Justice League was a Zack Snyder film, quote unquote. I, I really thought it was very weird. I like Zack Snyder, but this was really weird. It felt like almost JJ trying to do Spielberg even like like Super 8. I felt like it was almost like that to me. And it didn't, and, I, and then it was shocking every single time I thought that because I was like, "This is Spielberg making this movie." Yeah, that's sad. Regard, yeah, as far regard, <laughs> like in terms of the special effects, you're right. Spielberg doesn't like. There's those sweeping shots over the armies battling each other that are just so CGI, and that's not Spielberg. Spielberg's more about the less you see and kind of playing with your imagination. And this was just kind of showing you everything. So yeah, I, for sure. I mean, I kind of, that worked in the car chase. I, I actually enjoyed the car chase, but yeah, I enjoyed the, the car chase. That you're right. I, that, that all being said, I do agree. I totally thought the car chase was awesome, and I liked the, how we subverted expectations with the second car chase, where we saw it all from underneath the uh, world, the digital world, because he was doing the proper route. He was cheating by going backwards, yeah. But at the same time, doing the actual race and winning it the right way. Yeah, I thought it started off. I was pretty excited with with like the. F- first shot of the movie that kind of follows him down the the mobile stacks or whatever you call those things that they live in it was just a very designed spielberg shot and i goes get i got really jazzed they like, built those by the way on the at sunset and uh, vine uh like just like did the they same, really yeah the same location that they built the full uh it house from the movie it the spooky house and made it like a haunted house they had the, I don't I guess it wasn't a haunted house, but they had like the full like stacks uh, with trailer parks, uh, trailer homes uh, stacked up that, you know, you could go and visit and I guess do some VR shit there or something probably. Also really stupid. Yeah. I would never do it. <laughs> what did you think about the Sixers as villains? Um, you know, they're all right. I didn't have any problem with them. I, I did have a, more of an issue with uh, Nolan Sorrento's character. And the way he handles himself in the third act, uh, and I thought that was just fucking childlike to the extent of like three ninjas. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just like, like it was this really fake, like, look, this guy, he's so crazy. And he's finally going to get these kids, these rotten kids. He kind of reminds me of Belloc where he's he's not he's bad, but he's not all bad. But he's not as interesting as Belloc. I have a question for you because you said you read the book. What is Sorrento's avatar? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, like who was he supposed to be? Was it supposed to be Superman, like evil Superman? Yeah, and I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm definitely talking asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Belloc is is uh, is cool though, but Took 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 or Took. I honestly don't remember what his avatar is in the book. Took's cool. It plagued me the whole movie. I kept thinking he was evil Superman. And and that at every single scene he showed up, I thought eventually he was going to rip off the suit and we were going to see the, the Superman suit. And I could not tell because his eyes were glowing if he was supposed to be Superman or if he was like some kind of video game character. I just did not. That's the thing about this movie. This movie did. I went into this hearing the criticism that, you know, of people being like, oh, it's going to be reference the movie. <laughs> and it's going to be totally fucking lame. And then I went and saw it. And it wasn't horribly referenced the movie, but there were so many like little Easter eggs in the background. I thought 
like, oh my God, I don't pick up on a lot of these. Like, this is kind of bugging me to an extent that where I'm not actually paying attention to the film or the flow of the film as much when I'm trying to like be like, oh, is that Hello Kitty? Oh, is that Marvin Martian? Oh, is that RoboCop? Oh, is that Jack Slayer 3? You know, oh, is that the Battletoads? Oh, was that the, oh, Michael Bay, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, that's upsetting. Oh, that like, makes me angry. These are things that, like, you know, you like are like catching and you're thinking about them, you know, and there's so many of them. Yeah. A lot of Balsar references, too, which I thought was cool. But uh, at least it wasn't the plot wise, they weren't inherent into the plot so much. They were really limited what they maintained as pop culture that actually functioned in the plot. I thought that was interesting. And one of the things I thought was interesting was how they did The Shining as a plot. Yeah, the huge battles were the least interesting part about it. But when there are like really focused set pieces like The Shining, which you're about to talk about, those were the best parts of the movie. Oh, totally. And so, wait, so in the movie, it's The Shining, but in the book, Corey, what is it? Well, it's nothing in the book. They, uh, as far as I remember, there was no equivalent scene in the book. But I, from what I heard... They wanted to do Blade Runner in the movie. They wanted, I guess, a, a, an extended scene of Blade Runner stuff. But because Blade Runner 2049 was coming out, they decided on The Shining. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's just an article I read. I kind of like that they went with The Shining. It was uh, really interesting to see, like, film almost. You know, like, it did feel like they took, like, shots out of the movie and like repurpose them and try to like build around them. Cause there was like sequences with the blood coming out of the elevator when H is the character of H um, is slipping around the blood that I was just like, wow, that looks like film. Like yeah. that looks straight up. Like that's the shining. And they are just adding some digital effects to that footage. Yeah. And this movie was shot on film. It, this was shot wow. on film. It's all CG. Well, not the, I mean, there is a lot, there is real world stuff in this movie and it's, that's all shot 35 millimeter as far as I know. But then yeah, everything Silver else is... did build sets. Like he had stacked sets. Yeah, it was all like shot that. in London. Is, is, is it Giannis? Is it Giannis? Yeah, it? same crew. But um, yeah, he's still shooting 35. Push the lighter button on the CG. He and Nolan. <laughs> he and Nolan and Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Still shooting film. But yeah, all the then obviously all the Oasis and VR, that was all... Obviously not film, but I, I know what you mean. It was kind of refreshing to watch those shining scenes. I love how they get away with all the blood in the shining, but they can't show the titty from the woman in room 237. They hide that with H's arm. Yeah, they show you. They show you everything oh, that, that they possibly it. can, but they show you her ass, which is nice. So nice still. Huh? No, I and it's actually it. hurt. Like it's it's footage. It's footage taken from the film. So it's really is this. I think I'm pretty certain it really is the actress from The Shining walking with her shiny little wet ass. Oh, she's hot. Super hot. Before she becomes a gross old woman. Oh, yeah. No, Stanley Kubrick knew what he was doing. But then yeah. Spielberg makes the gross old woman get really nasty and zombie and practically a sculpture. Or not sculpture. A skeleton. So he can have her be more violent and attack in different scenes. Yeah, and she not gets, have to be a naked old woman. Yeah, a little. she gets a little too like animated and mobile. <laughs> Yeah, she does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she becomes huge at one point and starts giant with an axe and, like, actually cuts down into the uh, snow maze. It's one of the highlights of the film. I got, now I kind of want to see it. Now I kind of want to see it. The I would say the car race in the beginning is really good. I would say yeah. the shine sequence is good. I actually liked 
the club scene when they are they're dancing and the IOI shows up and actually takes out the people at the club. That was my favorite scene. I thought that was a sick scene, but that's about it for me. Otherwise, so, the movie I didn't really care for it. A big race early in the movie is the highlight. What sounds a lot like the Phantom Menace. Sounds a lot like Speed Racer. It was kind of interesting to see songs in a Spielberg movie. Because he, yeah. ra- he rarely uses them. He uses score. You are right. One of the things that he, ne- he never does is use pop music. He loves John Williams and he likes the score. You know, it's rare that you hear like a pop song in a Spielberg movie. It is interesting that this is the first film with Alan Silvestri for Spielberg. Uh, and not John Williams, right? This I think this is literally huh. his first film since... I think Sugarland Express was John Williams, right? I think Spielberg didn't use John Williams for The Color Purple, and that's the only film he never used John Williams yeah. up until Ready Player One. No, he no. It was, the, he did just, it was someone else for like two movies ago, Thomas Newman. Yeah, and, it was... Uh, all, yeah, Bridge Color Spies. Bridge of Spies, because John Williams oh, Bridge had of like Spies? A, Bridge of Spies wasn't uh, Williams? No, it's Thomas Newman. Well, he had a health... Holy shit. Had some sort of health issue that... Um, He's all recovered from, but uh, he had to use Thomas. He went with Thomas Newman because Williams wasn't available. As far as Ready Player One goes, I'm wondering if it was a scheduling conflict or if it's just that Alan Silvestri screams 80s. And maybe maybe like, that. He uses his own score from Back to the Future multiple times in the film. That's weird. Because Danny Elfman uses his own his own score for for Justice League. Maybe they're just getting lazy, like. Can I just do my old things? Or maybe that's the studio notes. Do that score you did in that one movie when I loved it. My Batman score? You? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Do your Superman score. Remember you did Superman? Do your Superman score. And, and Dan Elfman's like, I didn't do Superman. Sure, sure. He probably yes. had an idea of what he was going to do. He had at least given it a little bit of thought, like what his Superman theme would be. Because I can't imagine Burton wasn't going to use him. So we don't know. But somewhere in Danny Elfman's head is... Probably a little ditty here and there for what Superman would sound like for him. Well, back to Alan Silvestri. He does use some of his Zemeckis oh, well. <laughs> uh, uh, Back to the Future score in the film for Spielberg's Ready Player One. And it's a great scene with the uh, Zemeckis cube when they when it kicks it up in the air or throws it up in the air. And then all of a sudden it starts playing that music. Mm-hmm. And then it just like all of a sudden rewinds back, what, 60 seconds? I thought that was cool. And that was part of the that was part of the club scene that I liked. Other than that, I really don't think the movie was as good as the sum of its parts. I think there's a movie with a lot of shitty sequences uh, and really, really hollow. And I wish the movie was a lot better. And I, I know you shouldn't wish those things. And I went in there with the lowest expectations possible. It just wasn't met. Yeah. I liked it a little more than you, but... Um, How many Ds did you guys see it in? I saw one D. <laughs> so it's just a line? Just it, was a, just it was just line. It was dotted lines. No, it would be a one line, but it would be of infinite narrowness. And that's the sexiest way to watch movies these days. Yeah. 22 bucks, one D. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in 2D, specifically. I didn't want to see it in 3D. I would want to see it in 3D if it was like before the movie aired in theaters. They were like... When you see this icon and it shows the visor, the Ready Player One visor, it's like, come on screen. That's the time to put on your 3D glasses. They don't do that. And anymore. then you go and you see it, and it's like every time they're like, oh, we're going to the Oasis, everyone's like stumbling and get their glasses and put them on to watch the movie. I love that. That's how I saw Superman Returns in IMAX. It was literally <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, here comes a 3D scene for Superman Returns. Put on your Clark Kent glasses. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's that. So, uh, Tron Legacy has like a warning before it, like 
the first 17 minutes of this movie aren't in 3D, but put your glasses on now anyways and keep them on. And it's like, fuck you, movie. The the Blu-ray is like that, too. The, mm. my, I have the 3D version of that movie on Blu-ray, and it's the same way. The opening while he's in Vancouver is not 3D, and then once he goes in the grid, it's 3D. It also, I love how the Blu-ray does the IMAX 3D print because when uh, there are sequences that are go 16 by 9 scale like to that. the 235 to 1. Which I love. I love aspect ratio changing in film. I know a lot of people don't. But I love shit like Samurai Jack. I like it when it's between two aspect ratios. But there's three in uh, Transformers. No. Most recent no, Transformers. No. Uh, the last night, there's like three or four. I think, I think there, there might, might be four. four. It's, it goes from, yeah, it goes from like, like 69 to like true 185 to like 235 to like like some like weird in between and it's like it does it from like like that like every other cut will be a different format i'm like this hurts i my think eyes. it bounces from like honestly i think it bounces from imax to like native red to like 235 like stock like what like i think it like it actually bounces between and multi and then maybe even like video at 185 like to 1 like i do think it bounces like between so many like he's just like what camera do we have what camera do we have yeah, i need to get the shot it's looking sexy the lighting's looking good everything's looking sexy i need my shot uh uh here's the ari take the ari good yeah. good good all right film it i feel it. like that movie needs to be just digit and and just go crop top down to whatever the narrowest one is, crop bottom up to whatever the narrowest one is to make that movie even comprehensible. But I mean, I, I like when Christopher Nolan, who's an expert at it, does it. And he is. I, I really like. I have. I, I have a. Uh, what's it called on Blu-ray? Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Uh, and it's the like, Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight. Interstellar. Yeah, I have. I have all those on Blu-ray. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Uh, and it's the like, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> the Dark Knight. Interstellar. Yeah, I have, I have all those on Blu-ray. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Uh, it's like oh. the Dark Knight Rises, Ooh. the Dark Knight Ooh. Interstellar. Yeah, I, have, I have all those on Blu-ray. Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk. Like, oh. The Dark Knight Rises, Ooh. the Dark Knight Interstellar. I have all those on Blu-ray. Dunkirk. The Dark Knight Rises, the Dark Knight Interstellar. Guys, 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 Fuck it! All those movies on Blu-ray, he he does the IMAX version. Yeah, and they're great. Yeah, and he he knows how to use it. You're right. He knows how to use it for aerial setup shots, and he knows how to use it for like major action sequences, <laughs> and and that's about it. He. Or really emotional payoffs, and that's about it. He doesn't really just go, let's go in and out, in and out, in and out. Where's my red? I want red right now because the fucking titties are looking good. Let's Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, that's not how Christopher Nolan makes makes a movie. No. And that's how Michael Bay makes a movie. All right, let's go. I want to explode something. I want to explode something. My dick is hard. I want to explode something right now. That's Michael Bay making a movie. He's never made a movie that doesn't have an explosion in it. He's like scratching himself, like on the set. He's like, "Oh, are we gonna explode something?" <laughs> Some, no, something explodes in every Michael Bay movie. There's definitely not a Michael Bay movie that there's no explosions. I love, I love, like it was the third season of Simpsons, where like everything, ex something explodes every episode. No, it's Conan O'Brien. Yeah, it was that Conan's influence. Yeah, yeah but something Conan. explodes like every like, episode in like the third season of Simpsons. That happened to blow up. It's like, <laughs> like the, the scene was already written with like all the jokes it needed to work, and he's just like. 
at the end have the thing blow up. <laughs> oh my god, so amazing! That I love that. It's a nice Hans little... Molman in a barrel. Hans Molman in a car. Bar no, Barney's in the barrel, rolling down the hill. Was well, that is that everything you have to say about Ready Player One? Or how about this? What Spielberg film, Corey, is lower than Ready Player One on your list? Oh, it's gonna or, be a lot. Or right? Spielberg films is lower. Um, Come on. I mean, I think my my least favorite Spielberg film is The Lost World. I think really. Really? So Lost World is lower than Ready Player One for you? Well, now you're not making me want to see it. I mean, yeah, Ready Player One's better than Lost World. Yeah, I think Lost World I put higher. 1941. 1941 I put lower. Color Purple. <laughs> always. I like Color Purple. Always sucks. Hook sucks, but you love it. I love Hook. I would put 1941 and Always below uh ready player one i would say ready player one is better than those two films other than that there's nothing i would put bfg above uh ready player one honestly i haven't seen bfg yeah felt the last spielberg movie you've seen is crystal skull right wait what is, it? <laughs> is that right yeah i think so i have not seen ready player one i have not seen the post i have not seen the, the bfg i have not seen bridge of spies i have not seen lincoln and i have not seen warhorse and i have not seen 1010 Tintin is really good. You'll like it. That's a good Spielberg film. I'm kind of done with him. Like, none of his movies look good to me anymore. Um, you know, here's what I will say. I think the last great Spielberg film is Munich. Yeah. It's the last great Spielberg film I saw. I thought Munich was a really good film. I think Bridge of Spies is great. I didn't like Bridge of Spies that much, but I thought it was all right. Lincoln was good. Lincoln's on Netflix, and I tried to bring myself to it. I, I, I pressed play. The time came up and said like two hours and 49 minutes. And I go, no, thank you, Steven. I fucking know how it ends. <laughs> you should watch Tintin. Honestly, legitimately, I've, I think if you love Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you love like that type of Spielberg, Tintin is that. Yeah. Tintin if, is the if, end. If Indiana Jones was a gay like <laughs> Danish or French or whatever the fuck kid. French. Yeah. Th that would be exactly what Tintin would be like. Yeah. It's like, no, thank you. I, I saw an image of the boy. I looked it up and saw that it was played by... Why do you think he's gay? Jamie Bell, the yes. gay kid from the gay dancing movie where he dances. Gay kid? Gay he dances. Kid. Dances? Yeah. Jamie Bell, he played the gay kid. He dances. In Tintin? No. In... <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. Bill, is it Billy? Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot, which they turned into a musical about gayness. And I was like, nah. There's not, there's not a problem with gay. I just don't think 1010 looked like appetizing or exciting. You love it. Did we uh, talk about the leg? <laughs> no. What's the leg? Uh, when I saw the poster for Ready Player One, I, I was like, I want to learn more about this story about this boy with a really <laughs> long leg. What As I looked into the uh, articles and like descriptions of the book and the movie, there is no mention that the character is like seven feet tall with one leg and has one other leg that's much shorter than that leg. And then I just, that's, that's just the post, the official poster, which by the way is hanging outside of movie theaters and on buses at yeah. our bus, bus stops. It's all over. It just looks like this. The guy's got a leg. That's like, that's a, really bad. A third as long as it should be because how he, does he, that get through? How does no, yeah. What is that? that? He does. You're right. This poster shows like a Ty Sheridan's like character with a huge fucking leg. I feel like if that came through, then how lazy is this movie? Well, it was shot a long time ago. 
I think it was shot in like 2014 or 15, and then two years of post. Post, kind of like shit. the Avatar thing. That's a... well, they did the av- okay. So the up close personal avatars look really good in the movie. I mean, and they also have that uncanny valley, but they don't look like shit. Like they look really good because it's on purpose. Like it's supposed to be like a video game. Hope. <laughs> Hope. That's a uh, Carrie Fisher. From beyond the grave. Oh, yes. Oh, that was so weird to see Carrie Fisher, like, say hope. Hope. Uh, I, I thought she said nope when I first saw it. What did they bring us? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Cool Boy Nation, tell us what you thought about Ready Player One, the movie, not the goddamn book, by emailing us at... The Cool Boys Podcast at gmail.com. New episodes of the Cool Boys Podcast come out every Tuesday. Be sure you like and subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook. And please rate and review us as well. You can also donate to us on Patreon and receive additional content like Cool Boys After Dark. It only costs a buck a month, and you'll receive special access to content too hot to air. You can find the Cool Boys on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. And please check out our other great Cool Boy Central content with Batman and Beyond, the Cool Boys podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Patreon, where the Cool Boys have an uncensored discussion about Batman, the animated series. Everything ranging from bat nips to bat tips and all the boners they have given us offer Corey a chance to plug their super cool and so cool social media. Corey, do you have any so cool social media and super cool stuff? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Interesting enough. No guest has ever said yes to that. They all say no. But well, I say it's true. Nope. Like Carrie Fisher. Someday we'll have Angela White on the show, and she'll be like, you can follow me at Angela White. But until then. The balcony is closed. Yeah. <laughs> Felt, why don't you reach out to her through our Cool Boys Twitter account and see if she's interested in doing an interview? <laughs> You have been placed on a restraining order. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening, and thank you, Corey, for chilling like a cool boy with us this episode. Yes, thank you so much, Corey. Oh, no, thank you, cool boys. This has been an incredible (laughs) experience. Maybe top five in my entire life. (laughs) Same thing as last time. Stay cool, cool boy nation. Until next time, it's Bizees from Felk. That's Bizees from Ballard. That's Bizees from Corey. So cool. Thanks, Corey, man. Really, that was awesome. Thank you. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Without even a damn silly, get out of here! Oh, yeah! <laughs> this episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... Dunkirk, The Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight Interstellar. Dunkirk, The Dark Knight <laughs> Rises, happening? The Dark Knight no! Interstellar. No! No! So serious.